come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. Bienvenue de 90s Disney, votre podcast pour tous ceux qui sont Disney dans les années 90s. Je suis votre hôte, AJ Menotti, régionné par mes frères, Mike Menotti. Oui. Et Chris Menotti. Bonjour, je m'appelle Jean-Luc. <laughs> Comment allez-vous? I took three years of French and the only thing you said I understood was 90s Disney. <laughs> <laughs> going to assume that was correct. I don't know. I didn't take any years of French. <laughs> I really should have. I said 90s, but I should have got the French for 90s. Which... Well, it's a proper name, Magic Guy, you know? Yeah, but then your, your podcast, Disney in the 90s. Quiet, you. That was good. <laughs> yeah. That was good for just doing that off the cuff. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> Again, I took four years of French in high school and three semesters in college, and I'm really bad at it. It never was very good. I could translate well, but I couldn't mm. speak it. Which none of my instructions. Why are, are you talking this weird flippity do language anyway? <laughs> well, for one, April Fools, uh, we're not going quite as all out as we usually do in past years because something actually important is happening this April, everybody. On April twelfth, it will be the thirtieth anniversary of Disneyland Paris, or as it was originally called, Euro Disney. Ooh! So we have a very fun dive into the history, development, and failures. Of this uh, <laughs> second international effort from the Walt Disney Company. Kind of their it, first, because they barely had to do much for the for, for Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah, and I wonder if that was uh, a little bit of the contributing factor to the whole, you know, biting off more you could chew ah, sort of knows. thing. But we're going to talk about all that and more. But first, guys, everyone's doing good? Everyone's ready? Yeah. You want to magic yeah, I'm ready. Now, I mean... To romantic Europe? Magic, magic journeys. <laughs> there. That was in... It wasn't Magic Journeys in Tokyo Forever still or something? Or am I making that up? I no, that know. was Mickey's review. Oh, you're right, actually. Yes, which, yes. which Magic Journeys replaced. That's why I yeah. got confused See? in my head. I know. I, can, I know <laughs> what you're Chris. thinking. <laughs> you're a genius. Mickey Mouse review. Well, let's go back to April 12th of 1992, where Sleepwalkers was the number one movie. Do you guys know what? this movie? No. Nope. This was the Stephen King thing. It was like, I think it was his first movie, like his, the first thing he wrote specifically to be a movie. Oh, uh, not at, like uh, not, not at. I watched some clips from it online. It's real, real bad. No way. <laughs> and apparently uh, everyone said it was real, real bad. It just like had like one good weekend because it was like Stephen King. Oh my yeah, God. right. And then like, I was like, whoa, this is bad. It's going to be like The Shining. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, okay. So the quick plot. Um. This 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 lady and her son moved to this town, and like everyone likes them. They're like, super nice. Like he's super handsome, cute. And but they sleepwalk every night. And what they do, they draw mustaches on your face. <laughs> so they're called sleepwalkers, but they actually turn into like were cats and suck the souls out of virgins. Oh, only only them. Yes, but Chris, you're in trouble. Oh no! <laughs> their their natural enemy are actual cats who can see through their disguises and attack them and kill them. Well, what I was can't. He thinking, how could this not be a giant hit? Filled it was with, the '90s. Times were terrible special effects and real bad acting. This was a who's starting it? No one. Not, this is <laughs> yeah, this is one year before Jurassic Park. So this is rough times for cinema. 
Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Number one song was Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. I think this is the first time I think we all know the song, but not the movie. Give give me a three-second uh, uh, example. Save the best for last. Uh, I don't no, think I do I don't know, know this. Really. Sorry, AJ. I mean, that's all. I, I have the melody in my head, but I can't really get it out. Yeah. Y- y- you'd know this if you heard it. I'm sure it. if I heard it and not from you, I'd maybe recognize <laughs> yeah. it. But it's also worth noting that the following day on April 13th, a very special thing happened. That's when... Crystal Pepsi oh, began testing. Finally, something important that happened. I was in April a fan of Crystal Pepsi. Oh, of course, you, you were a fan of all those weird things. Remember Green ketchup? No, no. Oh, that was the worst. The colorful ketchup. Look, so gross. No one liked Pepsi Blue, though. No, no, Pepsi was bad. Pepsi Twist was all right. Well, sure, because Pepsi Twist is just Pepsi with a little lemon flavor. Yeah, but Pepsi already kind of has a lemon flavor. It has bit. citric acid. Well, yeah. Was Pepsi Blue like clear where it like, was supposed no, to taste it, it like? No, it didn't taste like, like Pepsi. It, wasn't even like, it, was, like, it was just a blue drink. It's but, just like, like a blueberry soda yeah. or something. I don't know. It was, it was like, bad. It was fine, but Pepsi has nothing to do with Disney World, thank God. Yes. <laughs> so we don't have to worry Coke about that. joint, thank you one mm-hmm. and all. So... We have to go all the way back to 1966, where it was first reported that Disney was considering a European uh, park in Variety magazine. So this is like the same year where they like talk about Disney World for the first mm-hmm. time, and this is the year Walt Disney dies, so that's yeah. an interesting. So they always had an eye on international expansion. But things would get more serious after the opening of Tokyo Disneyland, as we talked about, and its success in 1983, which proved that there was a viability in the international market for expansion. So Dick Nunes and Jim Cora... Uh, had a list of nearly 1,200 possible European locations that they started going through. This was all over the place. Wow, that's crazy. That many locations yep. for Britain, when you consider France, the size? Italy, Spain, everything was considered because, you, you know, you got to you gotta start big and really narrow it down. Like, right. you know, and nothing's off the table. And then you got to say, okay, well, what, what, like, let's start eliminating things. Like, what's not going to have... Convenient road access. Okay, Nick saw that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, what's what's going to have... Or even, like, weather. Terrible weather. Right. Okay, goodbye, England. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, England was uh, uh, knocked out along with Italy because they really just didn't have sufficient flat land to develop on. That's interesting. Really? Yeah. Not enough flat land in England? Yeah. I guess that's mostly hilly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I imagine the major uh, factor going in France's favor here is its centrality. Mm-hmm. Well, especially close to a big city like Paris. And- well, France France had centrality, but Spain had the weather. Yeah. So they narrowed it down to four spots between Spain and France by March of 1985. Um, both nations were really kind of like trying to get Disney to build there because they wanted the, the tourism and the, and the attention. So they were coming up with different tax incentives and breaks and everything like that. Uh, the two Spanish sites under consideration were both near the Mediterranean. They had very similar climates to, you know, L.A. and Orlando. Warm. Um, humid mm-hmm. and really suitable for, for a theme park, really. Um, the one site was at a, a town called Pego in the Alicante province of Spain. That was kind of the front runner. Uh, really, the thing that kind of killed that site was that it would have meant they had to destroy, um, it's called the Marjal de Pego Oliva Marshlands, which of all things was home to an endangered, Ooh, uh, yeah. it's called the Sumeruk, but it's a kind of tooth carp, just one of those little fish. Yeah, but still. Yeah, I mean, when you see endangered, you it's like, yeah, yeah, you don't want the fact that you killed a species to be in the news yeah. about. I go see Mickey Mouse. Park. Yeah, in Disney World, it's just all alligators, and everybody hates those like I do, right? Right, right. Yeah, good. Uh, so yeah, you, obviously environmentalists like you can't do that. Don't do it. So environmentalists like John Muir, <laughs> <laughs> Max, I'm trying to enjoy this painting of noted environmentalist John Muir. <laughs> that was supposed to be that was supposed to be an American Adventure reference. That guy, not Sam and Max hit the road. <laughs> I know, but that's where my brain went. <laughs> wow. Magnificent. 
Yeah, people who get that really well, yeah, There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I what, brought it back. What were our children in here at Satan? I know we're not building this country for a generation alone. Let's start here and now. I know we need to expand our national Someday, park. Mike, maybe it's a bonus episode. I think you and I are just going to try to get the, the whole show thing. from you memory. You guys have fun. You're able to remember the that. The British think it's fools we be. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me now. <laughs> Oh, God, it's good stuff. Anywho. Let's go to France. No. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that yeah, was funny. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I just started thinking about the American adventure playing in Euro Disney and nobody liking it. <laughs> You're not far off. We'll get to that. So there was um, a site near Toulon in southern France that was closer to Marseille. It had a good, favorable climate, again, kind of closer to the, to the Mediterranean uh, climates there. Uh, but the problem I've with been that to Marseille. Site, have you? It's not Marseille, but I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna critique. You. Uh, how do you say? I always that was actually. Marseille. Well, that was actually the first place I was at on my big France trip. As I was there. How for did you find the weather? Pleasant. Uh, I, the smell was worse. Really? <laughs> well, it smelled very fishy. It's a big port uh, okay, city. Yeah, yeah. The Mediterranean Sea. It was, it was. It was a lot. Well, if you would have dug a few inches into the ground, you would have found shallow bat, shallow bedrock. Oh no! Uh, that would have made the construction too costly and difficult. That makes sense. So by. Kind of more or less process of elimination, really. They end up at a site in the rural town of Marne-le-Vallée, which is uh, just outside of Paris. Now, this wasn't like a terrible location by any means. It was very centrally located in Western Europe. They kind of mapped it out. It was a less than four-hour drive for 68 million people. They're like, you know, people can get to this. It's crazy this the, the density of that when you consider, like, in the States, we're just not familiar with Well, that. and then here's the other thing that, that's interesting when you think about it. This is, like, smack in the middle of Europe, right? Walt Disney World, and I, I saw I forget where I saw this, but I like it, the way it's phrased. It's kind of in an American cul-de-sac. <laughs> like, Florida's just hanging out down there. Yeah, right. Pretty much everyone has to travel to get to Florida. Like, right. You know, unless you live right there. Um, so it like uh, that seems like on paper kind of an advantage. We'll get to a little later why that actually kind of wasn't. Um, but Michael Eisner signed the first letter of agreement with the French government for a 20 square kilometer site on December 18th of 1985, seven years before, well, less than seven before the park would open. Financial contracts came the following spring, and the final contract was signed on March 24th of 1987, with construction beginning the following August, 1988. So. Uh, a previous site called Espace Euro Disney opened in December of 1990. This kind of acted as an information preview center. And as they had that open, construction was underway. By March of 1988, they created a council of architects to create hotels spanning at least 5,200 rooms. If you think that sounds like a lot of rooms, it is. That's a ton of rooms. That's a lot of rooms for a theme park. So this council consisted of uh, Frank Gehry, our old pal Michael Graves. Michael Graves! Yeah. Robert A.M. Stern. Our, old, our pal, old pal Richard uh, Robert A. Stern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Robert Venturi. So, you know, it's kind of like the Council of Elrond, but uh, yeah. they're, they're like you know, trying to design the uh, one hotel. If you look at these hotels, they will look very similar to a lot of hotels you recognize in Disney yes. World. So they decided, and again, you, you, you could see the writing on the wall with hindsight, but hear me out here. They decided in this council to create exclusively American-themed hotels with each depicting a different region of the United States, and they would all have a waterfront 
features. They were going to dig like a like a right artificial canal to connect. So these all of them, except for the Disneyland Hotel, are basically surrounded by one lake, and mm-hmm. they all kind of are around it. It's uh, it's kind of it's interesting. It's because it doesn't. Yeah, it feels like they're all very close. They're all very close. The, the lake itself doesn't feel like a natural lake. How they try to make Bay Lake like, or d- even Crescent Lake seem yeah, like natural. The, the, this on is the map just, looks much more like a channel. It's just a ch- yeah. It's just a channel. You and, think it's that size, like Crescent Lake size? Bigger. Bigger. There's, okay. there's like, again, like all the, like five of these hotels are around this thing, I think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more of like a row. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Ducks, it's kind of like ducks in a row, actually. Yeah. That's maybe a part of the problem. Is like all these hotels themselves, they're American themed, but they don't really blend from one to the other, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So the, the of course, the, uh, the, the highlight hotel is the Disneyland Hotel, which has an American Victorian theme. This one is actually at the entrance to the park. Yeah. It's really cool looking because it is like part of that entrance. You sort of go, under it this is like it's called the disneyland hotel but really think more grand floridian here yeah they even uh, cited again the the hotel del coronado is an influence on its design mm-hmm. in fact it's i like think the, the first uh california grill was here right yes, we talked about we that, talked on, about our that on our california grill episode. california grill so go check that out. yeah but a beautiful hotel and yeah really nice victorian theming and it kind of makes for a stunning entrance before the entrance when you get into disneyland mm-hmm. like even Plus before the, that train yard the concept of just staying like in the park, quote unquote, was yeah. pretty new, right? It's something that they would talk about now and then, or even after this, and what mm-hmm. it really implement with stuff like Tower Terra actually being a hotel. Mm-hmm. You really want to get that in the states until the Grand California, right. right? Really, yeah. But Disneyland. Uh, then you had Disney's Hotel New York. This was the other uh, kind of deluxe resort. Uh, this was the one Michael Graves designed, and when you see the facade, which kind of has this like kind of faux skyscraper look, you can get that Graves yeah. sense it, from it. This one's neat because this one doesn't really have a Disney World or Disneyland counterpart, like a full-on New York theming. Mm-hmm. It, it right. kind of stand, it st- it stood out as something pretty interesting. Well, and it just recently got renovated to be Disney's Hotel New York, the Art of Marvel, so it's <laughs> like the Marvel Hotel now. Yeah, I wonder if that <laughs> sounds like that might make it worse, but I don't know. I wonder if it's like what they did at Caribbean Beach or even just Contemporary recently. Where yeah, they, like, you have Incredibles rooms, but Right. not the Incredibles right. Hotel. Yeah, but they're a little more obtuse about it. And mm-hmm. Not obtuse, uh, out front. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of at the moderate level, first you had Disney's Newport Bay Club. This kind of had like this New England kind of feel to this it. This is where me and uh, our dad stayed, and right. this is basically Yacht and Beach Club. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Well, I guess an upfront, too, we didn't mention, but you have been here. I Mike, have been here but once. But AJ and Mike have not. Yes, I've been here once, and this is where we stayed at the Newport Bay Club. And yeah, very much like Yacht and Beach Club. I don't know if you want me to kind of go into it now. We'll, but we'll save that for the end. We'll, yeah. we'll have you tell us about what it was. And in like fact, it's the same person who did the Yacht and Beach Club. That's Robert uh, yes, Ames. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Disney Sequoia Lodge was an American, uh, or is an American National Park themed uh, resort. Um, Wilderness Lodge. Yeah, exactly. This and Hotel Cheyenne, which I know is next, are both kind of a frontiersy theme. Yeah, Hotel Cheyenne is a little bit more like Western cowboyish, mm-hmm. um, but again, kind of in that wheelhouse. That's that's kind of now we're getting to like what they consider the more value resort tier. Um, and then there's the Disney's Hotel Santa Fe, which kind of has like that uh, Coronado Springs vibe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A little more more of a southwestern kind of thing. There's also they do have like kind of a, a Fort Wilderness like area. I had no idea this existed. Yeah, when it's I was it's there. called Davy Crockett Ranch. Mm-hmm. It's like about four miles away from everything else, but it has like one and two bedroom cabins, and it looks really nice. It looks like a little like neighborhood. Yeah, house, like, yeah. Well, this, and this was actually before the resort opened in September 1991. The early employees actually were living here. Yeah, as part of like getting the the nice. place ready. So it, technically, right. it was the first one to open. I guess if you want to put it that way. 
So in addition to the parks and the hotels, you had Frank Gehry designing a downtown Disney-like area that was originally called Festival Disney. Yeah, by the time I was there, it was just downtown Disney. Uh, Disney Village, I believe, is the, the So with this... Well, maybe not. When I was there, I think it was just downtown Disney. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. But, uh, ah, you know, but uh, it's smaller than even Disneyland's downtown Disney. It's not mm-hmm. a giant scale. Really, the, the most important thing for me was that it had an Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and that was fantastic for lunch. So... It's interesting. They really were looking to Walt Disney World for the inspiration of how they were going to kind of design and lay this place out. Even I mean, at first, they had grand ambitions. This getting just as big, three, four parks, wow, um, more hotels, which is like, nice because it's so immediately condensed. Like, like immediately, you have the main park, the main shopping area, and five hotels. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you look at a map, there's tons of room that they're not using, and they probably never will. Um, no. But this was the thought. It was like, we're going to have... I think they wanted to condense because of the, the amount of land they had, but I think they wanted the content, so to speak, to still be there. So some of the kind of inspirations it took, really, from the, the layout and design of, of Florida's parks. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this, but like the re- part of the reason Magic Kingdom is in the northern part of the property is to keep it away from I-4. Oh. They don't want competition butting up against it. They don't want you to quote, so easily be able to see it. It needs to be like kind of sequestered and secluded and everything right. like that. Right. So, and I mean, the only really Disney World thing that's super close to the highways is downtown Disney. Exactly. Disney Springs, excuse me. So very similarly, in Euro Disneyland uh, Park is located in the northern part. It's away from the A4 motorway, which is kind of the I4 equivalent. I think it's funny that they're both four. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Yeah. I4, A4, whatever. Right. Um, well, it's a new world, as guy. They were much further down the alphabet by that yes, point. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, they have uh, again. When you look at the map, it's very apparent. There's a large circular motorway, motorway that surrounds the um, kind of the main area of the resort. Um, it was meant to be kind of a convenient way of connecting everything, but again, it was like another physical barrier to kind of keep things away from all the Disney stuff. Again, it was just to avoid that Disneyland problem where you had like crappy motels opening like across the street from Disneyland Park. They also have uh, Boulevard du Parc, which leads from A4 to the resort center. And this is kind of your parallel to World Drive. Boulevard du Parc means the Park Boulevard. You are correct. Hey, how about that? You didn't need four years of French. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's you just context it clues. Oh, he Easy. actually went there. He lived it. Uh, but they did design a set as you're kind of on the overpasses from the highway getting into the resort. You can see the castle spires in the distance. And they kind of did this because they want that that excitement to build. Like, well, that's always you're great. You're bouncing in the back of the yeah. seat. Like, there it is, there it is. That is always fan- Like, in Disney World, you really, for Magic Kingdom, you really only get that with Space Mountain. But it's always awesome when you see Spaceship Earth for the first time. Yeah, that, that was yeah. like what popped to my head. It's like you, you come around and you see Spaceship Earth through trees. And that's when you're like, oh, we're here. And then in Disneyland, you usually see the Matterhorn or something. And it's right. weird because you're just driving around like, you know, this, like, not even a like, city, yeah, like Anaheim. suburb, yeah. suburb, and it's like, oh, there's the Matterhorn, right? Uh, also, on April first of 1992, the Marne La Marne La Vallee R E R R E R saying for Reso Express Regional, which means the Regional Express Network, is the regional train station that opened, which connected Paris to the resort by a 35 minute train. Ride. And this is how me and Dad got there, and mm-hmm. it was really, it was neat, like. This because this train has stops in Paris at the Paris airport in Par- like downtown Paris, so like when we you know you literally just go in the subway and then you you get in this ride, and even like on like the overhead maps thing like that stop instead of like a circle it has like the Mickey ears and you get out you're in this really pretty train station not like super overtly Disney themed but you walk out and then there's you're in downtown Disney again which is or whatever it's called now and it's sandwiched between the hotels and the parks it was really convenient mm-hmm. and. 
so I'm right about this. Like, like it, in the city of Paris, it's like a subway underground. But once you get out of the city, it becomes an right. above-ground train. exactly. Yeah, yeah. eventually it kind of, like, by the time it's at the airport, even, I think it was above-ground, too. Very cool. All right, let's get to opening day of Euro Disney. So employee previews began in March of 1992. The day before opening, the press got access. So everything's up and running. Now, I didn't go into a full breakdown of, like, every attraction that was there in opening. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of that when we talk about Mike's visit there and what sure. the experience and what's similar and what's different from from the parks in Florida and California. Um, but, I mean, it's a big park. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest of the, the, the that point four Magic Kingdom parks. It doesn't even have a Jungle Cruise, which is impressive. Right. Jungle Cruise right. takes up so much of the room in Disneyland yeah, and so, Disney World. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty feature-complete park. Yeah. You know, nothing's really missing. I mean, the biggest thing missing... Would be a Space Mountain, I guess. If I if I at first, when it at first right? yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so it's not like there was a lack of content. Everything you know was kind of running well. And, you know, they knew what they were doing as far as this goes. By this point of like running a park. Well, and this was like the A team of Imagineers at the time. So this right. was their baby, exactly like their own new park. Right. They got to do their thing, especially mm-hmm. compared to you know Tokyo Disney, which was so much just you know off the shelf what they already done for yeah, Magic Kingdom. That's what they wanted yeah. right. Yeah, like oh, we want that. Same exact castle. We want this same exact ride. Mm-hmm. So opening day comes on April 12th in 1992. And they were expecting crowds. <laughs> a government survey that was conducted was publicly warning people that a half a million people in as many as 90,000 cars may be attempting to enter this resort in this tiny little rural oh, village. No. French radio is telling you know drivers if you're just like driving, don't go that way. It's going to be a nightmare. Avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And the whole thing. On top of that, there was a one day strike on the RER, which just shut down the rail that day, so the trains couldn't even get what there. What great timing, right? So you have opening day. It's about lunchtime. The parking lot was less than half full. Jeez. That was just because like of a lack of excitement, or because everyone was scared off by. I don't it. really yeah, know. It's probably a little bit of everything. Again, we'll get uh, we'll get into kind of that still, lack of excitement. Even still, there. like you usually, you expect people to go, so. right? So it, very strange, right? To give you an idea, on, on opening day, big rides like Pirates of the Caribbean, Big Thunder Mountain, average wait times of fifteen minutes or less. Oh, what a dream! I know, right? Like <laughs> let's time travel to the opening day of Disneyland Paris. What the mm-hmm. heck? What they were expecting to be about five hundred thousand visitors was barely fifty thousand. Jeez, that's rough. Yeah, that yeah. can't just be because people are worried about crowds. That's a that's a problem, right? So what's the fallout of this opening? Well, by May of 1992, the park was only attracting 25,000 visitors a day instead of the predicted 60,000. And this is odd. Only three in every 10 visitors were actually native French people. So there's a lot of foreigners, a lot of vacationers. Well, other not- Europeans, but the French weren't going, and they're the locals. Right. This would be like opening Walt Disney World, and no one from Florida goes there. Right. Which yeah, would be a problem. weird, right? By August, annual attendance figures dropped from 11 million to 9 million, which is a pretty substantial drop. By late 1992, the cheap dollar had more people going to vacations in Walt Disney World than staying in Europe. So for the Europeans. Yeah, for mean. the Europeans, it was like, why would I, I? France is 400 hours away. Who cares? Yeah. I could take my whole family to America. Hmm. Make this have this great adventure and go. They to, have Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, and have a you know go to the fully developed <laughs> Walt Disney World Resort and like if we're gonna be in you know in American culture, let's go to America. By March of 1994, things were so bad that Disney basically threatened the banks to help finance the whole thing. That if they didn't help restructure the one billion dollars in debt, they would close the park and walk. Wow! Basically, leaving the banks in possession of a bankrupt, empty theme park. 
and this giant 20 square kilometer piece of land that was essentially worth. Can you imagine? It's something we'd never even thought about. What would happen if a Disney theme park closed? Right. This very nearly happened. This Mike, was the only time it almost happened. Michael Eisner publicly announced in advance of the March 15th stockholder meeting that they were considering pulling the plug by the end of the month unless the banks restructured the loans. Wow. And you, now, this, I'm sure this that was calculated. Like strong arm sure. tactics and everything. Can you imagine how bad that would look like? Like, imagine the drone videos now. Abandon Disneyland exactly. and Paris. Because yeah, you always see that, right? that weird place in uh, in Japan or China. Yeah, there's always mm-hmm. those. There's a ton of abandoned Japanese and Chinese. So that's why Spirit Away has kind of like that, that abandoned vibe. Um, mm-hmm. like theme, theme park mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah. Isn't even saying it. Oh, they built a bunch of these back when the economy was good. Yeah. But yeah, there's that popular one, Nur Nur theme park or mm-hmm. something. Like yeah, the one's that. like the big clone of Disneyland. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 and they could have been that, but it, an actually actual Disney built park. Right. Imagine. Very strange. So at the eleventh hour on March fourteenth, the banks basically wrote off the next two years of interest payments and put up a three year postponement on further loan repayments. Now in return, Disney had to write off two hundred ten million dollars in unpaid bills and services. They paid. $540 million for an increased stake in the company that ran the park, Euro Disney. Um, hang on, I had, had the name and I lost it. Where else? BSA, RSA? It's something SA. That was the actual company that was set up to be like running the park. So, like, Disney started this company, but they didn't technically own the park. Kind of like the way the Tokyo Land Company SCA, Euro Disney SCA. Mm. Kind of like the way Tokyo Land Company really runs Tokyo Disney. Sure. This was set up as like the local organization to actually be running it. I think this also probably helped Disney with some financial liabilities. So Disney had to buy further into it themselves to kind of make this deal work with the banks. They had to restructure their own loan agreements um, for $210 million worth of rides in the new park. They also had to give up like a lot of their um, licensing take for the next few years. Yeah. So again, it's like it's it's on life support. It's still going to be okay. Um, there's another weird thing that kind of helped keep it afloat. They got a investment from prince al walid who's the nephew of the king of king of fad of saudi arabia who's a, a businessman american education um i don't think he was like a particularly big disney fan he just saw an opportunity yeah and he threw um saudi arabia still doing that stuff today trying to get yeah more so he, he threw 500 million dollars to take a 24 percent stake in the company oh geez yeah probably probably paid off pretty well for him and actually. this wasn't like a saudi arabia thing it was just him him yeah right. yeah okay interesting yeah yeah He's he's got a Saudi oil money man. <laughs> yeah, he's got an interesting. I, I read up a little bit about him. He's he's got caught in some scandals. Well, is he, what did he murder some journalists or something? No, <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> that I know of. Yeah, doesn't sound. Like he if he's him. listening to this, I'm sure he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 not, I'm uh, sure he likes Gabe's journalists. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he's not some like saving grace who's like I'll help Disney. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, he, course. You know, not to be from Saudi Arabia to be cynical about that. Yeah. So how did we get here? Yeah, what the heck happened? Everyone loves Disney. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the French. Maybe not the, the French. The Americanized version. Of maybe it. not maybe not the governor of Florida, but who else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. So there was, as you can imagine, a lot of resistance to what was seen as an American cultural invasion in France. Especially so close to Paris, like their bread and butter. Uh-huh. There was their a croissant and butter. Croissant and <laughs> that, see, that's the kind of stuff that makes them hate us. <laughs> you don't butter a croissant. It's 90% butter. Oh, you need more butter. <laughs> more that's butter. why they hate you. That's why they're called butter croissants. You got to yeah. stuff it in there. It's good stuff. 
I'll tell you what, the croissants in France were pretty good. That's what oh, I would I say. Croiss- One would hope. Croissant pour favor. <laughs> <laughs> that one thing Mike got out of that. <laughs> That's the one mixture. Café, croissant. And café. <laughs> yep. Mademoiselle, mademoiselle, croissant. <laughs> uh, a journalist at the center-right French newspaper La Figaro wrote, I wish with all my heart that the rebels would set fire to Euro People Disneyland. really didn't like it. Yes. Uh, Ariane, <laughs> I'm going to screw up this letter, her last name, Mushkang. Uh, she's a Parisian stage director of note. Um, she called it a cultural Chernobyl, and that phrase would really kind of stick with the park in the media during the uh, initial years of its existence. Now, in response, a French philosopher Michael Sayers noted, it is not America that is invading us. It is we who adore it, who adopt its fashions, and above all, its words. He was trying to say, this happened because we allowed it Man, to. It's like, keep keep, keep France French, huh? Exactly. I mean, you can imagine imagine if in America, especially these times, if there was like some giant French media company that was going to open up a giant French theme park outside of New York City. Well, yeah. Like, you can imagine some, uh, there's a, probably a good amount of people in this country who would be furious. Yep. In a way, there's some similarities to Disney's America that almost opened, but not, you know, because... Right, but there was, like, but, that but backlash. As far as, like, the backlash of mm-hmm. it, like, being, like, this weird version very of American history deaf that's to very... Like, t- yeah, what exactly. you're actually doing. Tone yeah. deaf look at it. So, <laughs> this was a funny comment from Euro Disney SEA's then-chairman, Robert Fitzpatrick. He responded... We didn't come here and say, okay, we're going to put a beret and a baguette on Mickey Mouse. We are who we are. So he was trying to say, like, look, you wanted a Disney park. We're giving you a Disney park. Like, we're not going to, like, French right. it up mm-hmm. just because we're in France. Because, again, and this was another They thing. did eventually put a beret on Mickey, to be fair, though. Absolutely. But again, <laughs> Mickey's I, had many outfits. You have, to, you have to keep in mind, too, this park was called Euro Disney. They really did kind of try to, in their eyes... Consider this the destination for all of Europe. It wasn't just I about if, France. I wonder if that's an American problem too, though. Trying to think of like the United States of Europe sure. instead of all, instead of all these distinct countries well, with different again, cultures. A name change is not far away, <laughs> yeah, right? So there were other things too. Disney tried to do like the kind of whole Disney dress code. You know, no facial hair, no tattoos. The French yeah. were like, excuse me, like, <laughs> no, no, we we are very individualistic people. Like we dress the way we want to dress. You don't tell us what to do. Yeah, it's also a weird. Th- that's like a weird thing specifically of like mid. 20th century America where like <laughs> facial hair is dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the like very what, that's clean what, cut yeah. white collar. That's what hippies look. and Magnum PI have. <laughs> yes. Right? Uh then you know, another problem with a lot of the leadership and executive meetings and, and such, uh English was spoken and not French, which was mm. like, oh well, you're in France, speak French, please. But the biggest thing of all, they opened a theme park with 50 some restaurants and they didn't serve wine oh, well, we don't in do that in France. We don't do that in France. I tell you what. What? I think that was the first thing they gave me when I got off the plane. Was yeah, a bottle. here you go. I mean, and you know, people think of it again like Magic Kingdom in Florida and California. We're like, yeah, you can't have alcohol. Yeah, it's too it's just so, It's like such no, different France, cultures. Like, the children drink wine. Like right. that's just yeah. what they do. I mean, even now we're starting to we have alcohol in the Disney yeah. like yeah, the, yeah. the Magic Kingdoms now. Like that's just not how it flies. Anymore. And there are there are a bunch of like other little stories you hear. Like like the one I've heard before was how. Originally, the Imagineers wanted Main Street to have this kind of 1920s vibe to it because that's very popular with French culture. They they like the kind of gangster ah, noir yeah. era of American film. And Eisner's like, no, it's too too mean and dirty. It needs to look opulent Victorian yeah. Main Street. It's not making yeah. concessions where they should have been exactly made. Exactly right. Um, it's kind of a kind of a, we'll tell you what you want sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So they had a very big uphill battle to to fight with all of this stuff. So. 
they still had plans to expand. They originally had much grander plans that I'll get into in a little bit, but they still knew like they had to keep building this out. It wasn't going to succeed on its own. Right. So the first thing to come was Indiana Jones and the Temple de Pay. That means the Temple of Peril. (laughs) Peril. How do you say it? Yes, Michael, you're correct. Thank you. Uh, That opened on July 30th, 1993. This is Disney's first roller coaster with an inversion. That's the way I looked at it. I was like, am I going to go on that? And I saw that loop. I was like, I'm not going on that. Now, of course, uh, a few weeks after opening, the e-brakes locked up during the ride, causing some guests to get hurt. Well, you so know, they had even, to shut down the ride. So, again, that didn't help. Even this was like an obvious, like, just shoe-in attraction because it was just a basic wild mouse ride, I mean, It's right? not too different With from... some theming they threw in. It's not too different from when they threw in the, that roller coaster in Dino Land, right? right to get right. a coaster in there. Now, a little better theme than that, I but guess. Again, so, and again... This was supposed to be like the big Indiana Jones subland, kind of like what we talked about um, in, in California. This was supposed to have mm-hmm. their version of a jungle cruise that was going to be a little bit more overtly Indiana Jones themed. This like is going to have massive attraction. I mean, you can kind of drink multiple, mm-hmm. multiple rides. You can tell because this ride is tucked in there in a corner of Adventureland where it's just like comes to a dead end and it's just this ride. Yep. I can absolutely believe that there sh- could be a whole land there if they really wanted to. Yep, it didn't even have to say Indiana Jones on it. There's nothing like related to it. The ride, minecart, Chris. The minecart, minecart. Oh, okay, so is uh, many, many other coaster <laughs> attractions. That was the thrilling children's roller coaster Cedar Point, the mine ride. There you go. <laughs> Which was my first roller coaster, actually. Uh, where did I go? Funny. So oh, was my point. that that's my wife's first one too, Edge guy. I know oh, yeah? you knew that. There you go. And that's why she hates roller coasters <laughs> now. That's why I'm okay with them. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that can affect people in different ways. <laughs> But nevertheless, they so they still kind of persist. They, they're trying to tweak the marketing messaging. You know, there is good word of mouth. I mean, it is a good park. It's a great park. Yeah, it's right. beautiful. So it, again, it's, that it's probably the most like pleasant to like walk around aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it's good stuff. So like I mean, the you, castle alone is. If so they can keep it open long enough, maybe people will be like, "Well, this ain't so bad." Right. So in August 1994, for the first time, they fully booked all the hotels. For the first during, time in so forever? Two years, yes. two years after opening? Uh-huh. Um, this was during, like, like peak holiday what? travel. That, that was such a weird decision to just open with that many hotels. They had, and I, I didn't write down which one. One of them, um, I think this, the, um, the, this, the, the Cheyenne? The, the Sequoia, actually. Uh-huh. They just closed it for yeah. a little while because they just weren't filling the rooms. Like, well, this is yeah, pointless. Get people to the other rooms. Yeah, the so hotels. they just closed that yeah. down for a few months. Um, but yeah, they finally book up some of the rooms. So they kind of got some good momentum. October first, nineteen ninety four, Euro Disney officially changed its name to Disneyland Paris. I didn't Not realize long. it, it was, happened that soon. I, me too. I thought that was like a late ninety. Right. Part part of my problem is that I mostly think about that nineteen ninety. Two or 1993 vacation planning video we had with Lumiere, yeah, where he calls it Euro Disney over and over and over. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I, yeah, that's what I think. I, I didn't realize it was that soon. Okay, yeah. so this was to kind of as you know, they're on an upswing. Well, they want to get away from the the bad memories of Euro Disney's opening, so this kind of helps with that. And this did help kind of link the resort to the romantic right. notion of Paris. It, yeah, nice rebranding. It helps a lot too. It's, it's like, oh, well, if you're going to Paris on vacation, hey, there's Disneyland Paris right over there. Right. Exactly. It's also just closer to how all the other ones are named. It's, you know, the Tokyo Disneyland. Mm, it's Hong, Disney, Disneyland Hong Kong. And now it opens Shanghai. up Disneyland in uh, other parts of Europe. That's right. Now someday we can have that Brussels can, Disneyland. Give me that. <laughs> Mike, the Brussels never sprout. <laughs> wow. But, um, eh. but the big turning point for Disneyland Paris, as it's now called, was on May 31st, 1995, with the opening of Space Mountain de la Terre à la Lune. Michael, what does that mean? That means, well, moon. What's the Terre? The void? Voyage to the moon! No. 
a trip to the moon. Shot to the moon. No. Rocket to the moon. Terra, as in Terra, Terra Firma. From the Earth to the Moon. There you go. Nice. You, you got it there. First try. Now, I could have done a podcast about this ride because I started digging yeah. this history. Yeah, it's cool. There, cool. There's a very good, was it Defunct Land about yes. this? Yes. So I'll, I'll give you kind of a, a little bit of an overview of its history because it is really cool. They always plan to have this as part of the park as a thing called Discovery Mountain. And uh, the original plan was for a massive show building that would have had multiple attractions in it. Again, that kind of Indiana Jones uh, mm-hmm. concept. They threw this around a lot in the 90s. Yeah, they really they, wanted to do it. A lot of pavilion ideas. Right. right. So you would have gone inside this building. You would have seen the large, full-scale version of the Nautilus in an indoor lagoon, which did get built outside the attraction. That's one of the things that did survive this. An underwater <laughs> restaurant with a Nautilus theme inside, along with a cafe. Oh, Admiral's table, please. A copy of Horizons. Oh, what the hell? Oh, I, I mean, what the heck? That. Excuse me. I just what? Mark. <laughs> I just like caught me. I just caught you off guard with that one. You did. I was like, what? I was at a spit take there. A Disneyland railroad stop. A free fall ride themed to Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth, where you actually saw there's like a big tube in the That'd middle. Be cool. The idea was like you were dropping a drill. Into a shaft to the center so, of the earth. Like, ooh, that was the drop. Kind of like the abandoned Geyser Mountain idea. A little bit. I don't think it's like, I, don't, I can't see how much more that could have been beyond the drop and maybe a little post thing. Like it literally just you drop, dropped maybe right down. A, yeah. There's an animatronic of a, of a snake down there. I don't there know. you go. <laughs> uh, Space Mountain would have been inside of this with a Jules Verne theme. And walkway tubes linking to Cinemagic and Videopolis dining and stage complex, which was... Uh, uh, still features two huge windows in that place. So, what do you mean, Cinemagic? Isn't that the name of the show in 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 the in that's the studio? What it said. Was there something else there? Maybe there's something else named that. I don't know what Cinemagic. Well, the would other be park wouldn't have been open yet, right? Yeah. So maybe it was just like some. I don't know. There's something else like Cinemagic. Yeah, as I said it out loud. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't going to question it. I'm questioning it. I don't think that's right. We'll, we'll look into that. So anyway, that obviously didn't happen because they didn't have any money. So scale it back a little bit. Okay. We need we need a space mountain like attraction, so we're, let's let's do it. And with the budget they had, they created what might be one of the best sounding Disney rides I think I've ever heard of. Especially now that I kind of got a little more familiar with it. So the plan was to have this still theme to Jules Verne's From the Earth to the Moon, and they would have a launch cannon that would shoot you to the moon, like in those like the, the book in the movie. And this would actually feature inversions and a synchronized soundtrack. The first use of the, uh, what's it called? The SOTAVS. Uh, mm. Audio sound. system? Yeah. It, it stands for Onboard that. system? Yeah. We yeah. like our synchronized soundtracks. Yes, very much so. Um, so the basic idea of the ride is, is in, again, right out of the movie. The Baltimore Gun Club is going to build a gun so powerful as to shoot a capsule to the moon. I always thought, Mary, that if we made it to the moon, it would be off the backs of that Baltimore gun club. Right. And the, the um, you, you get in these cars that have, like, everything's, like, all steampunky, Jules right. Byrne. Right. I mean, the gun, the like, the launch colors. thing, like, literally cocks. Like, yeah. It's the gun. Yeah, you and literally like get loaded into the chamber. Off. And you can see, all, it's all outside. Mm-hmm. You can see all this from the from the exterior. And yeah, like they do the whole effect, like smoke shoots out, you see the car launch up, they shoot smoke out the ends, so you think it just like, get launched forever into the sky. Mm-hmm. Inside the attraction is like a ton of practical props that I didn't know were there. 
asteroids. You go through a, a, a mining vehicle that one of the guys launched up there. At one point, you hit a secondary lift hill, and you see the face of the yeah. man in the moon right. at the yeah. top. Mm-hmm. All synchronized with this wonderful soundtrack that sounds like it's like John Williams, E.T. John Williams. And a loop-de-loop, right? Yeah, you've got a loop, a corkscrew, a switchback. I mean, this thing is really cool. They changed it to Mission 2 10 years later to kind of remarket it, but they just made it more generic. Yeah, it seems like everybody misses the original, which is yeah. weird. It's then, still like that, isn't it? Well, no, yeah. then they did the hyperspace mountain overlay that was supposed to be temporary, but it's still is there. It's still there, Chief. Yeah, but it's weird because it still has all, like, the cannon. Yeah. Right. And it still has, like, the Baltimore Gun Club on the building. That's and weird. What's the name of the cannon? It's got a cool name. I don't know. The uh, Moonshot? No, it, it's something is like, that French. No, it's like Cannibald or something. Well, you're like not going to remember yeah. it. But yeah, it is weird because everyone lo- everyone loved that original version. Apparently, it alone, like almost more so than you can imagine any other ride boosting a theme park, aside from maybe when Harry Potter opened and Islander Adventure, this gave a big boost to Disneyland Paris. Michael Eisner literally credited this ride and its creator, Imagineer Tim Delaney, as the savior of Disneyland Paris. Right. Like, that's, that's how big this was. Yeah, it was, a, it was a huge show. Everybody had to go do it. Mm-hmm. The, the Columbiad Canon? That sound Columbiad, right? that's it. Yes, I knew it was like a cool name, Columbiad. Mm. I liked your your weird guess that you came up with. Cannibal. I like the cannibal. <laughs> that's good too. It's like it's like a sounds Turnabog like, or something. Sounds like a bald bad guy in a beat em up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's cannibal. you, Columbiad. That was also pretty sweet. Columbiad, yeah, it's good. Um, so yeah, in August of 1995, Disneyland Paris and the Euro Disney Resort Complex announced a 22 million uh, great. GBP would be great. Great Britain pounds, edge guy. Profit. <laughs> Followed by the first annual operating profit announced in 1995. We did it. The they first time they made money. Took three years, but they got there. And then I did know in 1996, they changed the name of Festival Disney to Disney Village. Well, I thought it was Downtown Disney when I was there. But you know what? I may have seen a sign in French and mistranslated it. Oh, the other thing I, meant to, I forgot to mention real quick. So they were going to call it Discovery Mountain. Like right up to opening, and they don't. No, no, we had to do Space Mountain. It's our right. brand. Yeah, you kind of. They had the sign. They took out right. Discovery, put up Space. But if you're in the queue, you could still see little um, DMs. Uh, oh, really? The fence and stuff. That's because I yeah. mean, it's Discovery Land. It's not Tomorrowland there. Right, right. right. Well, and the whole the whole land has this kind of Jules Verne, H.G. Wells theme. Right. That's why it's fit. Oh, like, I want it's, them. It looks really like, cool. I have never been there, and I'm mad that it's gone. I want that back. Just maybe that. Maybe there. like the next version of it after. Yeah, we'll, the hype. we'll take it back. Right, because we'll. I forget. Is that part of the expansion plans that are happening in the studios? Is, is Galaxy's Edge, or is that not there? Yes, they're yeah. getting. It, it's not a full Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, it's just Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine. <laughs> right, and yeah, not oh, no. all as much theming. It's like half the size. Yeah, okay. but this this aesthetic too that they did for this that was a lot of the. Um, it was supposed to be Discovery Bay in Disneyland, in Disneyland. where Galaxy's Edge is now. Actually, right, yeah. how about right. that? Yeah, how about that for a turnaround, work around, bring it all together? Indeed. So. What did this mean for the future of the resort and the rest of the Disney company in the mid late nineties? Lots but the of damage things. has been done. That's what the, <laughs> but the I, I wrote that has, for you. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's what our, we love. That because every baseball game, where like where they get the third out. <laughs> well, the Indians got two runners in, but the damage has yeah. been done. And that, yeah, whatever, whatever. No, it's like whenever they get the third out, but like the other yeah. team scored six runs. But yeah. the damage has been. <laughs> we love saying that. <laughs> So they had a huge phase two plan that never happened. They were going to build an Epcot, not like <laughs> Epcot Center, like Epcot, the place to live, learn, oh, and wow. prototype community of tomorrow. Uh, they wanted a sports complex, a technology park, conference center, theater, shopping mall, university, university. campus, villas and condos. They mm. wanted to do all of that. They were like, you know what? This is our chance to do it here. Nope, that's not going to happen. 
They originally announced the studios parked in November of 1989. So that would have been shortly after uh, and Disney and Jam yeah. Studios opened in Florida and was a surprise hit. Yes. They were going to open that in 1996. And they also had like actual filming going on was the plan. Like to actually create like, you know, a production center in Europe that they could control. Um, but obviously those didn't happen. And the financial burden of this park had direct and indirect effects on all kinds of things getting canceled. A lot of them we talked about, but here's kind of a brief list. Westcott, which was the proposed second gate of Disneyland, which was in competition with you hear called Disney Sea or Port Disney uh, and the Queen Mary. That was um, an old famous mm -hmm. cruise ship. Right. For a while, it was going to be we're going to do both of these. uh, We'll compete between the two. Westcott, you win. Uh, We can't do Westcott either. We're just not going to do anything for 10 more years. So that was all gone. Disney's America, in addition to its horrible PR blowback. Right. Again, we don't have any money to do another park here. That's gone. Tomorrowland 2055, which is supposed to be this massive, beautiful Huge. redo of Tomorrowland. Yeah, the, be- the, Disneyland. the the worst thing we lost there is the Astronomers Club, right? Yeah, that gone. Indiana Jones and the Lost Expedition. We talked about that in our Indiana Jones uh, episode. All that got cut down just to the ride. And the Beastly Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, when it lost out to Dino Land. That was gone. It, it's crazy. There's so so many. Th- if you hear of any attraction that sounds kind of cool that would have happened, and anything in the mid nineties, yeah, this was the reason why it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. This was it. But all's not lost because we did get Rocket Rods and <laughs> Disneyland Innoventions out of Euro Disney. Yeah. I mean, I guess we also got the, the Timekeepers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yay, from time to time, we got shows instead of rides. Yes, yeah. a lot of shows. We'll take it. So as we said, Mike. You have actually been to Disneyland Paris. That's Tell true. us what's the same, what's different, what's it like? It's so weird generally because it is it's it's like you're in a bizarro Disneyland because mm-hmm. it is so similar, but it's different. It, it, it's like even in this weird in between zone from of Disneyland and Disney World where you do feel like you're secluded, but things are con- you're secluded like Disney World, but it's also condensed like Disneyland. You know. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, just, just walking in is different because you're going past that hotel, but then you have the train station, it's familiar, but then the, being in that American-themed Main Street in Disney, in, like, Paris, that mm-hmm. feels weird, and they also have, like, two arcade indoor walkthroughs on either side, and those are really heavily themed, and that's nice. They have the uh, they have the, the 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 hot dog place there was also baseball themed and I like that because there is Cleveland signage in there. Oh, that's fun. I was like I'm in Paris and here's some Cleveland stuff. I feel like I'm at home. Was it called a Casey's or just? I think it was called it? Casey's. In fact, I think it predates the Casey's Ooh. that we have at Disney World. I think I wanted to change later. the Cleveland stuff to Guardians yet. <laughs> well, it wasn't Cleveland Indians to be clear. Oh, okay. Like the spiders, old the spiders. Stuff. Yeah, this is old stuff. <laughs> The castle is magnificent. Yeah, their castle's rad. That's, yeah, the one thing I would love to see in person is that castle. If, you have, if you've ever seen it, uh, just in pictures, it looks amazing. It's even better in person. And they had a, they had an interesting design challenge there because in Europe there are castles, like yeah, actual right. castles. So that's why it's a little more fanciful looking when you when mm-hmm. you examine it. But it has like this beautiful moat. Uh, it has that awesome section where you can go underground. You can Ooh. see that just like it's great because it's just it's not an attraction. You just go through this cave and there's an animatronic dragon down. There. I was Love it. so I was showing my daughter Sophia some of the pictures from your trip. Mm. And I told her, I said, Oh, you know, there's a dragon that lives under the castle. And like, 
the video is buffering, so it's just the picture. She goes, that's fake. And then it starts moving. She goes, is it fake? I don't know. <laughs> Got Mike. Well, and what's neat, too, this this influenced uh, part of what they were going to do for Beastly Kingdom with the unicorn mm-hmm. experience. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. Well, that, so that unicorn thing was going to be a maze. And for some reason, I always was intrigued by the fact that they had a maze in their fantasy land. And that was one of the big things they wanted to do was this Wonderland <laughs> maze. It's Alice the, in Wonderland. Themes of the live action, Alice yeah, the in li- Wonderland. I, what, I, no, 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 no. That's in Shanghai. This one is the cartoon. They always do that. Okay, you're right. This Never is mind. still the old cartoon, and it's right. it's, it's like, you know it's it's a quote unquote maze, and you turn a corner, and there's a statue of a card person, you know, <laughs> and there's the house with with Alice going out of it. It's not. It's something super like, crazy. You're not gonna get lost in there or anything. Yeah, but it was it was fun to do that. Uh, what really the the big thing that stood out first was when we went to their Pirates of the Caribbean and their Adventureland. It's maybe the best version of Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh. Uh, first off, so it also has a connected restaurant like the Blue Bayou in Disneyland. Nice. But the, so like their ride starts in the caves and the restaurant is in the caves. Oh, neat. Yeah. That's a whole other cultural thing, too. It's just how different like eating and restaurants. In fact, the, like the biggest things that stood out. Surprise, they're snacking and like <laughs> shove it down your gullet fatties culture isn't the same as yeah, ours, yeah. you know? It, I'm outraged. It, it may be because they don't in, indulge so much food and drink. There aren't as many bathrooms either. Like, that was always weird. I'd like, go to the restaurant. Where's the next one? Oh, it's in the next land. I'll, wow. I'll be back in 30 minutes. Interesting. It was, yeah, it's just very different. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's not as much as, like, I'm going to eat from 30 different food cards because that's a part of the vacation, right? <laughs> now, that restaurant was very good. Service is also just a different thing because gratuity is not as much of a thing. Right. So, like, they're nice, but they're not, like, putting on airs. You know what I mean? <laughs> that being, like, too nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But not throwing your food they're at still you. still on Disney, mm-hmm. yeah. But their Pirates of the Caribbean is great because, like, so, like, it starts in the cave with a restaurant, but then you're almost immediately in a much more extended fort sequence where uh-huh. you're in the fort, the fort's, like, under attack, and you drop down from the fort into kind of what, what you would recognize as the rest of the right. ride. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, their Haunted Mansion, which is Phantom Manor there, mm-hmm. is really interesting because it's in their frontier land. Right. So it's got a little bit more of a Western it's vibe. Got a, yeah. So, like, at, at first, it's pretty familiar. They, they really focus more on the whole abandoned bride storyline. Mm-hmm. That that loading area, if you've ever seen it, is is one of the best. It's, it's so really creepy cool. and ominous, and it just looks great. Right. Because, like, the bride is there. Look, they're back to you on, like, the stairwell. But when mm-hmm. you go, outside that section you are in like the mining town like a ghost town mm-hmm. and it's cup like filled with ghosts and all this stuff so it's just really neat how that's a little bit different it, it, there. it's pretty similar up until that point like it really does its own thing mm-hmm. it's neat it's cool to look at right uh sadly their thunder mountain was closed when i was there because their thunder mountain it's almost all of it is on like the, their tom sawyer island equivalent. which is wild yeah right so you still load it not on the island and then like the train just goes under the river it that's comes up so on the cool. island and then at the so end it goes cool. under it again it, it's we'll get out right through of that because it looks really it, really it, neat it feels like double the length too because of that because you go yeah, you gotta get ways. there yeah mm-hmm Right, and then Disco- exactly. Discovery Land it does really stand out because it is, you know, people criticize Tomorrowland at, at both of the stateside parks for kind of lacking identity. The identity is pretty; sh- it's losing it a little bit these days, I think, with with some of the Star Wars uh, stuff you're talking about and mm-hmm. losing some of that Jules Verne because they have Star Tours there too. Yeah, but it is a- aesthetically very interesting. Like, even their Autotopia was really tied into that theme. Nice. Well, this mm-hmm. is why they tried in Disneyland to do something similar at their tour. Right, kind of had paths with it. It's like we'll paint our uh, well, Space Mountain like the one. Yeah, in- like yeah. you said, because of the failure of Euro Disneyland, they yeah. couldn't do what they wanted to. They just mm-hmm. put paint up everywhere. Well, one of the ne- so like their Star Tours. 
is in there tomorrow, but it's like tucked in the back there. So you almost have to like walk a bit to get there. And there's like a yeah. life-size X-Wing there. When I did this, and this was, gosh, I, maybe five years ago now. Six years six ago. Six years ago. According to the dates on your phones, yeah. yes. So they still had Star Tours 1.0 there. Even yeah. though Star Tours 2.0 exists for all. It's Star Tours uh, 2 now. But at the time, I was like, oh my God, I get to do the original Star Tours again. <laughs> I was really excited That's and happy cool. about that. That was that was pretty awesome. Did Dad do it with you? No, he did not. He <laughs> it for me. But it's weird because, I mean, everything at the park is half English half French and they approach it in different ways sometimes they'll just like say a line in French and then say it in English sometimes like a lot of times they'll have characters talking to each other where <clears throat> it's like the nighttime show which was great the fireworks at the castle were fantastic and they can do projection effects because they have that moat and like on one projection uh, water screen was Peter Pan on the other one was Wendy and Wendy was speaking in French and Peter Pan would be speaking in English. It was kind of like that Peanuts, like Charlie Brown thing. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'll do what <laughs> like, you just said. Right, Wendy would be like, oh, so thou see. So, so, and, you know, and then Peter Pan like, yeah, Wendy, that's right. We're going to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, Everybody understands. <laughs> right, exactly. Or, or the weirdest one was before I did the one show, the Armageddon stunt show, which I'll get to in a bit. They were literally just trying to, all right, um, who, who wants English? Who wants French? Raise your hands. So it was like a vote. And for um, some of the other shows, it would literally be half the show times would be for French. The other half would be for English. So you would get the pick. Yeah. So, I mean, as an English speaker, there's really no problem at all. That's uh, good. I was, yeah, I, I was able to navigate pretty well. As you probably could tell, I don't know very much French. <laughs> no. Yeah. You sound fluent. <laughs> yeah, but I, I had no issues at all. So Disneyland Paris, uh, fantastic park. It is beautiful. They have a lot of the classic rides, but with interesting twists. They have some unique things, like, like that Indiana Jones that they have there. But mostly, they just have really interesting versions of a lot of rides that, that you recognize. So and I, I didn't even do Space Mountain because I'm a coward. The Nautilus walkthrough is cool, though. I have to ask you, when you were in... Um Disney Village. Did you see or do Buffalo Bill's Wild West show? No, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. For some reason, AJ, the only thing I remember from from walking around there was walking by in the movie theater and how all the ads were for Snoopy the movie there because they didn't. Oh, call, yeah. because apparently, Snoopy is a bigger brand than the Peanuts. Interesting. So. Did you know what this is, Chris? I, I've heard the name. This I don't is an know opening what it day is. thing. It's like mm -hmm. it's like a stunt show, so but it's, but it's not in the parks. Is it's that like it was at Festival Disney? Um, they brought in like. Actual cowboys and Native Americans and buffalo and horses. Jeez. And it's, it's, it's almost like, kind of like their hoopty doo, but a lot more to do. Like th think hoopty doo meets medieval times, but it's in yeah. the American West. Yeah, like, I did, I'd remember seeing this. It would have it been only cool just did. closed. Oh, it did close because though. of COVID. Yeah, yeah. These are like not coming back close. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I mean, you know, the history of the actual Buffalo Bill show. Like that was the one of the first big touring. Right. Mm -hmm. like, they did movies. tweak it at some point to make it a little more. They put the Disney characters in it, eh, but it's still the same thing, more or less. But yeah, we also did go to the the, the studios park that mm -hmm. they have there. That is weird. It is. If you thought that like California Adventure was kind of small for a Disney theme park, this place was. Like Time. half that size. Well, so it's so you go in. You're this very small like entrance courtyard. You have the water tower to your left. It's kind of nice that it's out by the front at least. So you do that. Then you walk through like their main street here is indoors. It's like this indoor mall with one lane that you kind of shuffle through with some stores and some like food court area kind of things with like neon signs. So you come out from that, and then there's basically 
a path down the middle that just goes to the tram tour, which was closed when we were there and is closed forever now because mm-hmm. all that tram tour space is where they're expanding. Which, which is this is do. not an actual studio. It's not an actual so. studio. So it's based, I don't know. I, I assume they drove you past props. I know they had a catastrophe canyon. Yeah. From, from the video we were seeing, they just kind of highlighted it. There was like a few other like little set pieces where some things were exploding as you right. went Right. So it's like the universal tram tour, but with just like this, this, this set stuff. stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, not with the actual, we made a movie here things. Right. Right. And then it's but basically, there's two paths there's a path to the left and that takes you to like the cinemagic show to rock and roller coaster uh tower of terror is like right there to your left and then on the right is where you get that the kind of lazy aladdin's flying carpets clone uh you have some scaffolding around it to make it look like a movie set (laughs) movie set genie's got a clapboard it's it's cool (laughs) you got the animagic show here and you had the like this kind of became pixar land because you had the turtle talk, I mean the turtle talk, the crush coaster. Crush, but, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this, past that is where they put the Ratatouille thing, which was pretty new when I was there. So that was great. And yeah. obviously we have that now, but it was I was really excited to do Ratatouille and that whole area was really well themed. And then they had a Toy Story Land kind of connected to that, which like not like the one in Disney World. It doesn't have any e tickets. Like right. it, it just does that has have the rides, um, basically. Does that have the like the twist? No, the RC Colt, the RC? RC one you're thinking, I think, is that one of is that Tokyo or something else? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think Hong, Hong Kong, Kong actually. Okay. Hong Kong did like they Disneyland had a thing Park where it's just like sli- it's like you know those little kid coasters that just go in a circle. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's their slinky, slinky biting his tail right. going around. Yeah, it's not there's there's not much to it, so it's not much of a Toy Story Land. So this park did open in March 16th of 2002, and when it opened, there were only three actual rides. <laughs> it was <laughs> the, the Aladdin, the, Aladdin, the Tram Tour, and Rock and Roller Coaster. Yeah, it, and it was all shows. Now, we watched before we recorded the Cinemagic, which you saw. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed Cinemagic. Fantastic. I fantastic. thought that was really good. Cinemagic well done. is great. So it's basically just, it's basically a movie show. Uh, there's like kind, there's like one live action actor who interacts with it at the beginning and the end. It's it's kind of like if you like that montage at the end of the great movie ride. Imagine just that expanded into its own attraction with more of a narrative, and that's what this is. And it's with, great. Yeah, with Martin Short like yeah. thrown into some scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's kind of sister show is uh, Animagic, which has been changed since I've been there, but basically was like. A version of uh, of Mickey's Four Magic, but it was just with the costume characters and puppets, yeah, and puppets. It was it was also pretty cute. So like those are highlights. Um, in in Ratatouille was a highlight. Uh, they also had uh, instead of Turtle Talk with Crush, it was like a thing where you talked with Stitch. They had that at Epcot for a while. Yeah, inventions. I did that. Yeah. So this was kind of fun. And like at the end, you had to like help him escape, uh, <laughs> and like you had to like tell him left or right. You were watching this whole thing. That was kind of cute. And then also they had when I was there the Armageddon stunt show. Not that, stunt show, but like effects show. Effects show, sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this was a weird thing. Cause this was the one where they're like, all right, vote for English or French. <laughs> it was hosted by Michael Clark Duncan, who at that point was no longer with us. So that, that was yeah. strange. And, it's, this is, and I'm a fan of these attractions where they just shuffle you into a room and then stuff explodes. Right. <laughs> but that's what this was. It was probably also weird because I've somehow never seen Armageddon. <laughs> Yeah, that's not uncommon. Yeah, so it's like, okay. <laughs> that movie's not as big as Disney likes to think it was. Yeah. Sometimes. Like, but like you're supposed to be like in a space station and things start blowing up and tubes start shaking and it's you know it's goofy. I right. enjoy it. It's like that Russian character yeah. from the movie who's like shouting at you the whole yeah. time. Well, it's cool, and you're standing the whole time. I mean, you're right there in front of everything. It seems like you're a little close to some like those fire fireballs yeah. that they do. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a it was a weird park, so I'm not surprised that they are expanding it. Huge, heavily here. a huge yeah. expansion. Gonna Mar- be like Marvel, Star Wars, and Arendelle. Arendelle yeah. Well, yeah. Marvel's taking up existing areas, and I guess the other ones are as well. But they're is there Tower of Terror changing to Guardians? Maybe I forget. 
I forget. That's one. The it's in that area, right? Right. Yeah, the, well, that's like I said. It's like when you walk, when you get out of that indoor mall thing, right? Like right there, and then a little bit to the left is where Tower of Terror right. is. So well, it's, it's almost cool central. And, like Tower of Terror, as we said, didn't open when the park opened, but there were they knew they were going to do it. Right. There was, there was a couple little some hints there. Signage there and all that Tiny stuff. Mm-hmm. But overall, the whole resort was really cool. Uh, the hotel was very nice, although the 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 French kept their. They don't have the AC power that we do. I was hot. Like I couldn't get it lower than seventy-two degrees, and I yeah. was, even like called the front desk, like I'm, I'm hot, and they're like, ah, oh, that's working. So everything's working as normal. I was like, Ugh. I'm American though. I'm American. I'm fat. <laughs> Please help. I sweat. Yeah. I'm Italian. Don't they sweat too? For real? I yeah. don't know. But it, you know, I, I was glad. I, I, I'm glad I made the effort to go there. I was actually again just in France uh, for a work thing at Marseille, and I was like, you know, how often am I going to go to France? I'll take a train to Paris. That's when my dad met met me well, there. And dad was just random, randomly like, hey, I'll go too. Right. So <laughs> yeah. that, well, when do these opportunities come up? So yeah, we spent a f- few days, and it was great because when we wanted to go to downtown Paris and go to the Louvre, and the Eiffel Tower, we just took a train from our yeah. hotel well, in Disneyland. Did, did you even get a little bit of that culture shock going from like Paris to? a disneyland like in rapid succession like day to day i mean i was already so at that point i had been in france for a bit so it was almost kind of like it was nice seeing something a little bit more familiar and where at least half of the stuff was in english right. you know yeah but you know I, I was getting by okay i know dad listens and i don't want to i don't want to be squeech his name but i feel like i blended in better than he did. <laughs> what, dad <laughs> that's like that scene in the intros hello yeah. anyone speak english yeah, Brody, he'll blend in he'll adapt <laughs> you'll never see him <laughs> <laughs> out of town here out of town here. yeah but yes i heartily i heartily <laughs> recommend to uh taking a visit to disneyland paris if you can make it happen <sighs> so you can't answer this chris Ooh. if i told you pick one right now Tokyo or Paris? Where are you going? Probably Tokyo. Yeah, me too. Okay, Tokyo is <laughs> that's a Tokyo. different level. Yeah. How about if you said Hong Kong and Disneyland? Paris, oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Uh, Disneyland Paris. Is Hong Kong getting its second gate? Is that something that's finally happening? Well, I don't know. Not a gate. They're they're expanding with that Arendelle. Yeah. And that's right. Well, they're okay, getting the Peter Pan Shanghai Arendelle. or Paris? Probably Shanghai. You think? Yeah, okay. Oh really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you want they to have some high tech stuff there? Yeah, that's pretty pretty well, big. Well, it's new. It's closed right now. Oh, yeah, really? Tra- yeah, they yeah, reclosed yeah. it, didn't they? Not yeah. too long ago. Oh, right, because been, COVID's, COVID's been surging. bad in China again right China now. Again. Yeah. That'll be us in two more months again, probably. Yeah. We. Honestly, the thing I'd look forward to the most would be the castle and seeing the shows in front of the mm-hmm. castle. Yeah. Uh, in, in Paris, it was great. In their, Paris, their parade yeah. was really good. All of their entertainment was actually fantastic. Yeah, that parade, I've seen video of it. It's, it's kind of like a festival fantasy yeah. adjacent. Dad loved that parade. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, yeah, it was great. He was right. The fireworks, like I said, were really, really good. I'm sure they've changed by now. But it was one of the first ones that I saw that really incorpor- incorporated both the uh, projection stuff and the fireworks. And right. again, they also have the water fountain projections. Also, also, they had a Hunchback and Hunter Dom sequence before that one in Disney World did, so I was freaking right. out. Right, yeah, that's always a good thing. You know, everyone knows how much we like that one. The other unique thing, too, with this location is it does get cold there. So, there, I mean, if you're yeah. lucky, you could go to Disneyland. Yeah, with I mean, I was there in January, there right? Like January, February, something. Yeah, it was, like, chilly-ish. We were wearing jackets. Yeah. But it'd be neat to see, like, a snow-covered Disneyland. Yeah, that would be you know? weird. And you really see weird. pictures, and you're like, "Wow, that looks, that looks pretty, pretty yeah. majestic." Yeah, yeah. Now, now the 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 weird, the one weird thing was when we were there. Of course, there was like this incident where someone tried to smuggle in a gun into the theme park. Oh, you um, and was caught. You you screenshotted the article when I was looking. Oh, uh, I was terrified because our dad was, could be a little skittish. So when I found out about it, I didn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but uh, so yeah, his his wife called and told him. I was worried he's gonna be. Like, we have to leave, but he was cool. He was fine. <laughs> I was in the Autotopia when this was going. 
with that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> of course this happens. Because this was when there was some stuff happening in Europe with, like, terror-related right, incidents right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, rightfully a little skittish, but we were all... And we were in Europe once before when we had Yeah, a, the last time we were in Europe, right. in 2005, there was, that was when the uh, subways in England were, were bombed after we had left the, the um, week. And the two... The double decker, double decker. Yeah, yeah we have <laughs> bad luck for Europe. Yeah, yeah, don't go to Europe. Maybe we should stay out what, of there. What's that restaurant in? Um, I think it's off the main street. It's like themed around Walt Disney. Yeah, it's called Walt's. Did you get to go there? We walked in and looked at the lobby. We couldn't sit there. There's that. There was there was like a steakhouse next to Haunted Mansion, like in Frontierland, that we also looked at, but we couldn't right. get in there either. So we, that's why we we ended up at that. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the one by Pirates of the Caribbean, which was very nice. Mm, very nice. All right. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, let's take a look at some community responses we had to our Ellen's Energy Adventure episode. First of all, I asked in the poll, original Universe of Energy or Ellen's? We are split Mm. 67% in favor of Ellen, 33% in favor of the That doesn't sound split. That's relatively split. 67. That means one-fourth. That's a split. It's not a 50-50 split, Chris. Uh, When I hear split, I think closer to 50-50. Fair enough. Eh, Whatever. Um, but I asked the question of our community, what would you have done to update Universal Energy for modern park goers? And George had this to say. Without fossil fuel sponsorship, a new version could be focused on clean and renewable energy. Mm. Get Ellen and Bill back. Pair with someone younger, maybe, and make kind of a sequel. Could have been fun. Or mm. who, who would be the, who would be the hot, That's what I was, was going to ask you guys. Yeah, who, it, uh, who's like the new person? I want to see who? Audrey Plaza do it and be, I don't know That's why. a good idea. Yeah, because she'd be, she'd, she'd be, be really like the, the usual like, right. like, yeah, whatever. There's like a lot of fossil fuel. We'll, we'll be fine. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I like well, that. And then That's Ellen could be the character who's like excited like Bill now because she learned her ways. Yeah. yeah. I, feel like, I feel like Ellen's kind of on the outside. I don't yeah, know if they're bringing back We might have, and Bill Nye's suing Disney, so he's probably Oh, really? Oh yeah, he, yeah, he's mad about unpaid wages. I think that's why he's got. Is it about? Is it related to Ellen's energy? No, I think it's more about the show and it's rebroadcast or something. Uh, that's fine. why. He, that's why he has a Netflix show now. He's right. coming to Youngstown next month. Yeah, I remember. I will not hey, go talk to him. But yeah, during the uh, Q&A. God, Mr. Nye, why are you suing Disney? You want, uh, you want to come on our podcast? <laughs> talk about. He probably doesn't remember. He's probably on a bender when they filmed that. He doesn't remember. <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, Chris, I think the next episode is yours. What do you want to do? Well, we're actually planning our next Disney trip here, trying to get our 50th anniversary trip in. And we're DVC members, and I was thinking that doing like a general DVC and and splitting that with Old Key West kind of uh, episode would be good. Like this the history good, of how even though I've looked into it, like I still don't quite understand a lot about well, how the DVC works. So I, I mean, I don't want to. I can go into that a, a little bit, I suppose. But I like more like how it came to be. Mm-hmm. You know. For yeah, sure. We, we can discuss that. Yeah. I mean, I'm even in it, and I'm still like, uh... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that's on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Here's Very your cool. points. Use them if you want. You might lose them, though. Yeah. Well, I like that idea. I look forward to that. Yes. Uh, be sure to check out our bonus episode from this month, where we talked about our favorite sweets and confections around Walt Disney World. Uh, spoiler alert, we all like caramel. It turns yeah, it turns, out. I, I've always been a fa- fan of the darker sweets. Yeah, I've always been a fat fan of... <laughs> Except for chocolate. I like, uh, you know, we like the car- the brown ones, like the caramels and the cinnamons is what I like. The toffees. Mm, Do you like, like, yes. dark chocolate, like the not-so-sweet? it's okay. Like, that's, that's but fun. that has, like, a bitterish taste, that's, too. Yeah, too. I like it. I, I drink black coffee, so you know, that's why I'm, I'm okay yeah. with it. So, yeah, anyway... Go to 90sDisney.com. 90 go now. What are you waiting for? Well, wait till I'm done. Then go do it. Right. Uh, where you can subscribe to the show on the podcast service of your choice and find past, present, and future episodes of the show. 
Uh, if you want to email us, hit us up at 90sdisneypodcast at gmail.com. And if you're on Spotify, that's where you can uh, reply to our community Q&As and polls. Um, in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this. That was Again, great. Happy April Fools. We didn't quite... Go Man, out of the nineties. We just, Mike and I were talking. Things. Maybe like a half episode. We'll do some. Something we'll do something universal. goofy. We'll see something what we can up with. There you go. We talk about our favorite extinct Universal attractions. Maybe how's that sound? So King Kong. You just want to talk more what about uh, King Kong Back to the Future. Jaws. There's a zillion things to talk. He just about. Terminator. He just wants to talk about. Right. They did yeah, close a lot of stuff. That I think Twister. About yeah, bring back. Back. You hated Twister. Well, it was no backtrack. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was no there, Armageddon. There was yeah. some hard competition there. Then we got Jimmy Fallon. Bring back Twister, please, <laughs> please. I'm gonna make AJ do Jimmy Fallon again next time. Oh. I'm gonna <laughs> wake up, be like, wait, wait, why are we at the Tonight Show theater? I, I'd rather, oh no! <laughs> I'd rather do that a hundred times than Fast and the Furious oh, one more time. Oh, Fast and Furious! I need great. to do Fast and Furious just to see. Oh my god, I Gosh. loved it. I loved it. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll find you next time right here on 90s Disney. Take care. Bye. Au revoir.